The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC. Seth Brookhuysen, redshirt freshman out of Holland, Michigan, officially. But the near hash mark, a 38-yard attempt. It is blocked. Ball picked up by Iowa, and everybody from Michigan stopped. And now, still on his feet, that's Tyler Sash, and he takes it across midfield. What a heady move on his part. Everybody ran away from it because normally there are signals that are caused mm -hmm. to stay away from it. And when he saw nobody from Michigan moving, he picked it up. Hello, Hawkeye fans. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the new football show from Hawkeye's Mike. The Iowa-Michigan game highlights are courtesy of ABC ESPN with Ron Franklin and Ed Cunningham. A good job calling this game. These guys are pros and offer very thoughtful analysis. We very much appreciate it and thank them. These football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefens Botanicals Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer the Iowa Hawkeyes use. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Third down. Gets it out right over the middle. And that is uh, Jackson Pouliot heading for the end zone. Did he get in? Yes. Touchdown, Iowa. Really nice job by the offensive front. On this week's show, you'll have the chance to hear Marv Cook's thoughts and the Reporters' Roundtable segment featuring Hawk Central's Pat Hardy and Hawkeye Insider publisher Rob Howe. You'll hear from the opposing coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa's Kurt Ferentz and Wisconsin's Brett Bielma. We'll review the Iowa-Michigan game and take a look at the Big Ten Conference. We'll also preview the Iowa-Wisconsin game. This week, we also have a very special feature. Iowa fans in the media have not talked with Darrell Johnson and Koulianos, Iowa's star receiver, since August during Football Media Day. He made some very thoughtful comments then. He answers questions very forthrightly. So in this show, we're going to listen again to some of those answers from DJK. And during the course of the season, we hope to hear from you, the Iowa fans. We invite you to share your comments by calling 866-74-HAWKS. Gonna go long. And intercepted by Iowa. And that is Tyler Sash. Sash up the sideline, and he'll be stopped just across midfield. And all of a sudden, as I say, I think that Robinson is over it. That is an absolutely silly pass to Hethrow. It was hyped as a classic matchup. Iowa's highly ranked defense versus Michigan's explosive offense, and for much of the game, it was just that. But Iowa's offense was very efficient, capitalized on generally good field position, and made multiple key plays to come away from the big house with a 38-28 victory over the Wolverines. There were excellent performances by running back Adam Robinson, quarterback Ricky Stanzi, and wide receiver Darrell Johnson Koulianos, who became Iowa's all-time leading receiver in this ballgame. The Iowa defense, despite giving up more than 500 yards, most of them in the second half after Tate Forcier replaced the injured Denard Robinson, forced Michigan into four critical turnovers and put pressure on the Wolverines throughout. Iowa's special teams also turned in perhaps their best effort of the season, including a blocked field goal by Adrian Claiborne and a clutch made field goal by freshman Michael Myers that finally put the game out of reach. It was a team win in every sense of 
the word for the Hawks. This victory also marked Iowa's largest margin over Michigan and the most points ever scored by the Hawks in the series. And in terms of pregame hype versus in-game performance, Iowa's Robinson, Adam, clearly played a much bigger and more important role than did Michigan's Robinson, Denard. The Hawks now turn their attention to next Saturday's contest against rival Wisconsin at Kinnick Stadium. It's a game where both teams' offenses and defenses mirror each other and is always a hard-hitting close contest. Wisconsin is coming off its upset victory in Madison over then number one ranked Ohio State. The road to the Rose Bowl now goes through Iowa City. It's in the bag. The fat lady has left the building. HawkeyesMike.com. It's sports talk radio on the internet. Just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks, all the time. A look at post-game notes and key stats. The attendance at Michigan Stadium last Saturday, nearly 113,000, was the largest crowd ever for an Iowa football game. The Hawks failed to score on their first possession and are now only three of six on the season. Michigan did score a touchdown on its first possession and became only the fourth opponent to score on an opening drive against the Hawks in the last 32 games. Iowa was five of five in the red zone with two rushing TDs, two passing TDs, and a field goal. Michigan was 3 of 5 with a passing TD, two rushing TDs, a blocked field goal, and a lost fumble. On the year, Iowa opponents are 9 of 17 in the red zone. The Hawks were very opportunistic, scoring 21 points following Michigan turnovers, including the blocked field goal. Darrell Johnson Koulianos had three touchdown receptions, a personal best, and became Iowa's career leader in receiving yards, and he only needs six more catches to gain that record as well. Quarterback Ricky Stanzi was 17 of 24 passes and is now third in career touchdown passes. He has had at least one TD pass in each of the last 15 games he has played. And the Hawks improved to 23-5 in games Stanzi has started. For his performance, Stanzi was named Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week. Running back Adam Robinson rushed 31 times for 143 yards. He caught four passes for 61 yards, and he scored two TDs. Tyler Sash, Micah Hyde, and Troy Johnson each had an interception for the Hawks. Adrian Claiborne blocked a Michigan field goal attempt, which Sash returned 37 yards in a huge heads-up play, and linebackers Jeremiah Hunter and Johnson each had 13 tackles to lead the defense. Key stats, first downs, Iowa 21 to Michigan's 29 yards rushing, 135 for the Hawks, 187 for the Wolverines. Net yards passing, 335 for Michigan to 248 for Iowa. Total offense, 522 for Michigan, 383 for the Hawkeyes. Again, we see stats are misleading leading. Possession time. Michigan held a big advantage here until late in the game. It ended up being Michigan holding the ball for 31 minutes and the Hawks for 29. Third down conversions. 7 of 13 for the Hawks. 6 of 16 for Michigan. Fourth down conversions. Michigan was 3 of 3. Stands he's going to go long. Has a man out there and it is caught. Did he catch it inbounds? Yes. Touchdown. Darrell Johnson Kulianos. Give credit to the Iowa coaches recognizing their quarterback maybe was a little too amped up. Uh, they finally got him calmed down and this was a wonderful read. Well you got to give credit to the offensive line of Iowa. That play took a long mm-hmm. time to develop and that meant that Reef, Vanderbilt, Ferentz, McMillan and Zuzovic had to do their job and do it well.
how many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> how many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on. Up to 10 washings. Moisturizes. Alcohol-free. And safe for the kids. So go ahead. Touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet. Prefins. Keep your hands germ-free all day. Visit prefins.com. Time now to hear from the opposing coaches in this coming Saturday's game. First, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz talks about Wisconsin's highly praised offensive line. First of all, they're gigantic. That's first. That jumps right at you. That's a major difference between our two teams. I mean, their their size compared to ours is uh, it's pretty significant difference. But more more importantly, uh, they're they're good. You know, they play well and they're veteran. You know, and they've they've been together quite some time. They've made a change at the one tackle spot, but uh, all in all, that group has been together for a long time. They've played very well together, and uh, that's part of uh, offensive line play. Good offensive line play is cohesion and and just being able to react together, and these these guys do a very nice job, and they they certainly have a good understanding of what uh, what they're being asked to do. Ferentz was asked how preparation is different for Michigan's rushing attack featuring Denard Robinson as opposed to Wisconsin's more traditional running game. Totally different preparation, certainly, but that's football. I mean, next week it'll be something different, or maybe not next week, but the week after. I mean, somewhere, you know, you get my point. Uh, Every week it it, uh, is apt to change, and this is certainly a a big departure from what we saw last week. And, and, you know, you just have to make those adjustments and try to really practice well that week. And But again, we can't simulate the, the, the size and the strength that Wisconsin has. We can't simulate that in practice. We couldn't even do it if we put our starters out there against our best defense. So, you know, it's just it's one of those things. It's tough. But, we, you know, we had the same problem last week. Kirk was asked if he's looking forward to the matchup this Saturday of Iowa's acclaimed defensive line versus Wisconsin's acclaimed offensive line. If we do, okay, I am. But, uh, but I, I but your point's well taken. I think, yeah, it's, it's you're looking at two units that are veteran and, and experienced. And, and they both had good experience. You know, experience is one thing. But uh, Wisconsin's had a lot of success with this group. And, and we could say the same. I mean, our defensive line's played pretty well for, for a period of time now. So I think as a fan, you know, point of interest, and it's, it's an interesting matchup. Ferentz talks about the difference in Ricky Stanzi this season as opposed to last year. I think it's experience. You know, Ricky was a great guy last year, a great, great young guy, and a great, you know, a very good player. And I think right now he's, he's playing at a higher level. You know, experience is a, a real benefit at any position if, if you make it. That That's the other part of the equation. You know, he, he's always worked extremely hard, but now, you know, he's got four years in the bank going into this year, plus factor in his work ethic and I think we're seeing you know just excellent things from him and, and again I'd, I'd you know bounce it right over to their quarterback it's kind of the same thing you know he's a veteran player who's really really doing a good job leading their team. Kirk was asked if they treat Adam Robinson any differently in practice now that he's the lead lone featured running back for the Hawks. Yeah we're, we're just going to be smart with him and you know we, we did the same with Fred Russell and Sean Green and you know anybody that's uh, carrying the ball a lot is a unique challenge you know it's not quite like being uh I don't want to minimize other positions, but it's it's a little bit different. So you know, we'll be careful about what would he what we're asking him to do, and then also what other people are allowed to do around him, like hitting him, that type of thing. So you know, we, he doesn't have to prove his toughness to us, and we you know we have great uh, faith that he's going to do what he's supposed to do. So we try to try to just be careful with him, and you know, the big thing is for being you know have him effective on Saturdays. And Ferentz talks about the Iowa Wisconsin rivalry on and off the field. From a recruiting standpoint, you know we're in the same region, so we we uh, frequent the same territories. You know, we don't do real well in Wisconsin typically, and they, they probably don't do a lot down here. But, you know, if we go in other, other states, obviously we bump into each other. And, you know, on the field, you know, I think it's, it's been really a you know, good series, you know, a really good series. And I go back to my first couple of years here. You know, it was really a tough competitive series. And then 
Uh, things dropped a little bit there in the late 80s, and then conversely, when I got here, uh, it was the other way around. I got here in time for that victory party up there, the Ron Dane Day and Big Ten Championship Day, which was, you know, as a fan, it was a great experience. It wasn't much fun to be, you know, the head coach here, but so, you know, but at least we, we've uh, come back and made it competitive, and, and both teams have really, you know, done a lot of good things, so it's... You know, it's, it's a good series, I think. There's some parallels because, you know, we're not the same as them totally, but I think we're, we're uh, on the same page philosophically in a lot of ways. For one thing, I'm away fullbacks, and uh, it makes both of us a little bit unique. So that, that's one area. But yeah, I, I think, you know, when, when I look at their football team, I think there are a lot of parallels to what we do and vice versa. And I had tremendous respect for Barry when I came here. And, and uh, Brett's done a great job of carrying that on. And, you know, Barry and I probably both learned an awful lot from Coach Fry. You know, and again, not that we're the same as, but I think some of the, some of the uh, things that we, we believe are important, uh, you know, I think that, that's been reflected in their play. And, and, you know, Brett comes out of that same family tree. So I think there's a, probably a common bond there with all of us. Wisconsin head coach Brett Bielma talks about why offenses have so much difficulty moving the ball against Iowa's defense. I think two things. First off, the players know the scheme inside and out. They're, they uh, you know, basically play one front in a, in a variation of two different coverages. Um, that's, that's one thing to know, but the part that's probably best displayed when, when teams start to have success against them, the players and coaches know how to correct it. Um, they may say, hey, they're, they're they're getting us because we're playing too heavy on this this technique, or we're playing too heavy on this this uh, route or this concept, and then they can switch it. And that was one part that really jumped out to me last year watching the film. You know, we had success early, and then really they didn't change anything. They just played better at what they were doing, and, and, and I think the players can refer to that more so than anything else. Bielma talks about Iowa's defensive line. They're very good. A lot of the same keys to victory or keys to success against Ohio State, at least offensively, um, for us will be very, very similar, which is great because they're a good carryover. Uh, matchups, production, uh, efficiency, all those same things will be coming up. Bielma was asked to characterize the Iowa-Wisconsin rivalry. I think because it's so intense, it's always going to be out there. It's a trophy game that's going to remain in somebody's locker room now for three years because we don't play two years after and and uh, you know that's a big deal it's so now it's not just bragging rights for a year it's uh, bragging rights for a number of years and I know as a head coach this is you know a big part in recruiting it's a big part in um, you know where we stand in the Big Ten on a national level and nothing became clear of that again during conference alignments where you you knew that there were certain things that people thought there's four teams in our new conference coming next year that have won national championships and then the next two teams probably by record are us and Iowa so it's kind of where our places and where we're trying to be. The Oldman talks about Iowa's Adrian Claiborne. Big, strong, opportunistic. You take uh, a look at Iowa last year and, you know, that Penn State battle, they're in it going back and forth and, you know, he comes up with a punt safe block of a punt that scooping and scoring and changing the game. Have an opportunity to be around him now a couple times too. You could just tell he's a very serious kid, somebody that really uh, enjoys and then, you know, obviously for him to come back this year, I think he would have been a first rounder, but he really, uh, you know, buys into what, what they're selling there and, and uh, he wanted to come back and make it a special run. Bielma discusses Iowa's running game. Not to disrespect our running backs or anything else. I mean, Iowa's going to run the football and, and kind of somewhere to hear that, you know, I thought it was interesting. John Clay did a lot of good things on Saturday, but he put those five linemen on his head. You know, you're not going to see me doing it, uh, but that's John's way of uh, making a tribute to his offensive line. He's very respectful of that and knows that's why he gets it. Same thing with James White. And I, I think the same culture goes on. It was at Iowa. I was there for, for a number of years seeing it, but um, those running backs, 
they read the same plays every time. You know, they take the same footwork, they take the same, you know, steps from the line of scrimmage and, and make the same keys and reads and reactions. And, and that's why whoever's back there, I think, is going to have success. And Brett was asked about the recruiting battles between Iowa and Wisconsin. You know what, it's probably not so much uh, location why we recruit we, we run similar schemes very few teams run the tight end the way that we have in the past so when you're recruiting tight ends no one very few people you know block offensive football like we do um, we had uh, a couple GMs in during the course of the week last week of GMs of NFL teams and they basically boy it's so relieving to watch to come in and watch film and watch you run the football like they want to run at the next level and we recruit against Iowa here in our state and their state in Illinois, Minneapolis, but also we, we end up recruiting against them in South Florida, in, in Texas, in St. Louis, uh, in Ohio, in Pittsburgh, uh, because of the same philosophies, offense and defense, and you know some of the other stuff I probably shouldn't get into. Uh, but and, uh, you, similar schools, very strong academics. Um, I think they're just probably. I'm not oblivious that I'm probably a little more aware of it too just because you know every time somebody goes to visit there the first thing I can write it down to a T they're going to come back and say coach what, can we see your tattoo every Iowa coach says that to them, you know so I know their routine uh, nothing nothing surprising Brad Rogers number 38 in the game at fullback lining up in front of Adam Robinson Adam will get it. Goes right side, nothing there. Turns it back to the left, and he walks into the end zone. What a wonderful job by Robinson on this cutback. We welcome back former Hawkeye and NFL star Marv Cook for his weekly stint on Hawkeye's Mike. Sean Patchett visits with Marv. You have participated in and watched a lot of Iowa-Michigan games over the years. In terms of those played in Ann Arbor, where does this one rank? Uh, this is right up there. Um, you know, with the exception of the 12-10 game in Iowa City, I mean, there's been some great games up in Ann Arbor, but great setting, homecoming for Michigan, big crowd, and a pretty dominant performance by the Hawks. So uh, overall, you know, very, very pleased with the outcome. Was there any surprises for you? Not really. I, mean, I thought we did a good job uh, keeping Robinson in contain, and uh, you know, I was a little concerned when we knocked him out because I knew Tate Forcier was a pretty uh, you know, good quarterback as far as just throwing the football around. But you know, I thought we were in control of the game for the most part. The fact that we were up you know, 21 or 28 there, and they kind of got some yardage and some points there at the end. I, I really felt like we were a much better team, and it showed. The Hawks were a little shaky in their first couple of series on both sides of the ball. As a player and a coach, why would that be the case? Do you think they're too amped up and be a little bit intimidated? Or? No, I mean, I just think it was, you know, Michigan's pretty, Michigan's pretty good and that, you know, they're going to bring their good stuff at you right away and, and tell you figure it out. So, you know, they had all week to kind of prepare for Iowa and, and, to, and to put some packages together that maybe Iowa hadn't seen. And, and so those things are kind of, you got to work through those issues. And then once you get them figured out, then you can come back and just line up and get after it. So, you know, just a good job of Iowa, Justin, but, you know, wholeheartedly, Big Ten teams are pretty talented and they're going to cause problems for you, but it's a 12-round fight pretty much, you know, and, and uh, you just got to keep staying with it, keep staying with it, and that's what Iowa did. How important is senior leadership on both sides of the ball in a game like this uh, with the hostile environment? And it's huge. I mean, it's, it's and, and, you know, not even so much the senior leadership, just experience. You know, guys that have been in this situation, played in games like, uh, you know, I mean, that's, that's invaluable. I mean, you know, the first time, because you talk about you, you could get too amped up. You can get 
over pumped and, and then you're playing out of your comfort zone you're not doing the things you normally do so experience is huge whether you're senior junior or sophomore just the fact that you've played in settings like this is pretty big a pretty impressive game turned in by Iowa's offense what stood out most to you in that regard DJK you know I mean just making huge plays and and um, you know to be honest with you how open he was a lot of the times I mean it's just amazing to see you know he's running post corners and he's you know wide open in the back of the end zone and you're just like well geez that's that was probably a little too easy but uh, but you know it's a tribute to him it's a tribute to the timing that they have I think that's the one thing Iowa receiving receivers and tight ends have right now with Stanzi is they got great timing Stanzi puts the ball where it needs to be when it needs to be there an impressive performance by Adam Robinson again. Uh, how long do you think Iowa can continue to ride in this hard the rest the of the season? The whole way. The whole way. The guy's a beast. Uh, I mean, I tell you, he's just, you know, I've, I've liked him from the first time I saw him run because I was the most productive guy that we have from a dependability and uh, productivity standpoint. Uh, Michigan really went after Micah Hyde, especially after Forcier came in. Uh, he didn't seem to respond that well. Uh, can you expect him to be picked on the rest of the season by teams watching video? You know, you, you try. I mean, you, obviously you see things you like and, you, and you're going to try to get him into the game, but it's still a team game. And, you know, to, if you're going to try to change your game plan and take advantage of one guy, then you need to account for those things and you need to try to schedule things in there, but you still got to be who you are and, and, and run your offense. So I think you'll see a little bit of that, but not a lot of it. There still seems to be some tackling issues on defense and special teams. It's more technique than opposing talent. Can you talk about that and what coaches can do to try and correct that? It's, it's hard. It's hard to recreate, especially in this environment with all these concussions and big collisions and, and the safety issue. I mean, that's, that's the issue that if you try to recreate that in practice, now you're just exposing those kids to that much more collisions and potential for concussions and injuries. So it's hard to recreate in practice. You know, you have to try to recreate the speed of it and the positioning of it, but it's, you, you got to avoid the collisions as much as possible. And just and, and then ultimately just get your best 11 on the field. You know, find your best 11 athletes, get them on the field and let them cover down. Uh, turning to the Wisconsin game, when you played, how important was this rivalry to the players and the coaching staff? It's big, you know, now they got a trophy that's on the line too, you know, before it was just bragging rights and now, you know, they got a great trophy and a, and a great recognition of the team that wins it and keeps it in the off season. And trust me, when you bring recruits in, they look at that stuff. And, uh, you know, for us, it was always, we would drive to uh, Madison, you know, on an October day and you get to see the foliage and the trees and Coach Fry was superstitious and he did it his first year so we did it every single year that we went up there but and so we always had a lot of success with that but in, in my this is perfect Big Ten time I mean it's October fall and, and, and Big Ten football you got two teams that want to just slam and run the football and you know win it up front and, and it's going to be a great great football game. Do you think that intensity is ramped up even more now that Bielema's at Wisconsin? No, you know, it used to be Barry Alvarez, and, you know, Barry is the one that I think gets the, should get the credit for the template that Wisconsin has and the success that they've had. You know, he went up there with a bunch of Iowa guys, and Brett was one of them, and, and, and Bernie Wyatt, and they, you know, went out, and Dan McCartney, they went out and recruited the kind of kids that they want, and they built the kind of team that they want to be. And to Brett's credit, he's been able to, to continue to steer that thing forward and moving it forward. And obviously that was a signature win for him and his staff in and, and, and Wisconsin. But, uh, you know, Wisconsin's been there before. I mean, they, you know, they, I think they got three Rose Bowl wins under Barry Alvarez, which is amazing to me. And, um, you know, they know how to do it. So, you know, but for, for Brett Bielma, it's, you know, it was a great win last week. And obviously he needs to follow it up with a, a good effort this week. But, you know, I, I still like 
the way I was positioned going into this Big Ten run. When people talk about the cultures of the two co programs being alike, what does that mean to you? To me, I think I think what it means is how do you want to how do you want your team to look? How do you want to win football games? It's the philosophy of what your strategies are and what your style is, and 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 what they both want to do is they want to run the football. I mean, I think they both realize that in the Big Ten you're going to have some bad weather, you're going to have some increment weather, wind, snow, rain, sleet, and you got to be a physical team. You got to run the football and stop the run, and, and that's how both teams built. And when both teams are at their top, that's exactly what they are. And to me, if you look at the Big Ten right now, you got four teams that I think are entitled for the run. It's Michigan State, Wisconsin, Iowa, and Ohio State. And that's kind of how they're built. You know, that's the template, the style, the philosophy of uh, how they want to do it. And that's the way, you know, Barry Alvarez did it. You know, Ron Dane, big back. John Clay, big back. I mean, that's, that's what they want to do is they want to run the ball at you. Uh, big linemen and to some extent they're going to run boot and waggle off of it which is what Iowa's done you know we've evolved our passing game a little bit with McNutt and DJK but and I think that's ultimately going to be the advantage this this coming Saturday. These programs go head to head with each other on a lot of recruits and there have been numerous supports of some bad blood between the coaching staffs. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't know anything about that other than, yeah, I mean, I can see us in Chicago, you know, in Wisconsin and Iowa going after guys, and, you know, that, that's just part of the nature, and Brett's a, a volatile guy. I mean, you know, he's the, he's the one that had comments for, you know, Jim Walton at Iowa State after the game, and obviously, you know, the two-point conversion turned into a volatile situation with the Minnesota coach. Uh, very, Brett's very, very confident about his position, what he does, and, and the way he goes about his business, and, and sometimes that can rub people the wrong way. Let's say that tomorrow you were named head coach of Big Ten rival Minnesota. Coming into play at your alma mater at Kinnick Stadium, can you project what those feelings would be like in that circumstance? Uh, it'd be great. I mean, I love Kinnick. I mean, Kinnick's a great setting for college football, and as a college football fan, I, I think it's it's the epitome of of why you you want to be in college football. I mean, I was I had an interview earlier today where. You know, I was talking about last week, this week, and next week. The first reason you come to Iowa is to get an education for the degree. I, I say that kind of winking, but but if you want to play football, if you want to play college football, I mean, does this three-week stretch get any better? You know, Michigan, Wisconsin, Michigan State. I mean, it, top 20 teams uh, in October. I mean, it, phenomenal. I mean, it, it doesn't get any better than that as a football player. And, and so, you know, any chance you have a, the ability to be a part of something like that would be amazing. So the only downside is the fact that you'd have to come in and face Iowa's defense. I mean, that'd be the, that'd be the worst part of it. Uh, you touched on a little bit about how similar these teams play. Does that make practice and preparation this week a little bit easier heading into a game like this? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think it's pretty, you know what they're going to do. I mean, you know what they're going to try to accomplish, and you got to stop it. I mean, it's just a matter of now you got to tighten your drills down of, you know, how are we going to play this off-tackle play? How are we going to play this power play? How are we going to play, you know, ISO, off the ISO? How are we going to play the, 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 you know, the play action? So, I mean, I mean, that's the beauty of football is that you have plays that look like something else, and so you got to be ready for all those different combinations. But ultimately, you know, I, uh, the analogy was, is, you know, last week, you know, you, you, you had to play a, you know, a skill time, and now it's, it's lunch pail time. It's hard hat and lunch pail, and it's, you know, we got to suit it up and get after it. Um, and, but that's Iowa's M.O. I mean, so it's, it's going to be a great game. Uh, Wisconsin has do, two different style of running backs, yeah. uh, also a huge offensive line. What kind of things and techniques will Iowa's defensive line specifically try to employ here? To well, I think, I think one is, is, 
is you have to win, you know, first contact wins, and you have to make sure that, if nothing else, their linemen aren't getting to your backers. Uh, you know, if you're up front, you got to take double teams on. you got to make sure that the guards <clears throat> or the uncovered linemen's not getting up on our backers. And then, two, try to create penetration. You know, if they're trying to run zone or downhill at you, you got to make sure that they're bouncing the ball, uh, try to force them to the outside, and, uh, you know, not let them <clears throat> get running north and south on you and get going downhill. And, you know, so the key is to me is, is, the, is the, the penetration on the line of scrimmage, controlling double teams, and then uh, taking it to them, you know, and, and never staying blocked. There's nothing fancy about this one. It's just you got to be tougher and better. Uh, prediction? Uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be a great game. I mean, I'm excited about just watching the, 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 the ebb and flow of it. I think both teams are going to have success doing certain things at different times. And, you know, but ultimately late in the third and the fourth quarter, I think it's going to come down to the team that can make plays. And, and I, although I think Wisconsin's talented, I think Iowa's got more weapons offensively that if we can run the ball effectively, then to start throwing it to DJK and Marvin McNutt and our tight ends, I think that's the edge we have. And, you know, so I think Iowa's going to win by 10 or so. And, you know, I think it could be a 31 to 21 type game. Any other thoughts? It's going to be a great atmosphere, 2.30 national television. You know, it should be a great setting for college football. All right, thanks. Do you ever have that feeling you were just born for greatness? Rodgers at fullback to block for Robinson. They come to the left. Gets his block, turns it outside at the five, and he will walk into the end zone. Touchdown, and Brad Rogers, the man we were just talking about, put an asterisk by his name for an outstanding block, paving the way for Adam Robinson. This works because the blitz of Kovac gets knocked out by Rogers, the fullback. In our Big Ten notebook this week, the conference has now officially entered the phase in the season where its ranked teams face each other almost every weekend. It happens again Saturday when Iowa and Wisconsin play in Iowa City. This obviously impacts the weekly polls and the BCS rankings as the season continues. As of this moment, the Big Ten leads all conferences with four teams in the BCS Top 15, as well as in the AP Coaches and Harris polls. Seven weeks into the season, there are only 10 FBS teams that remain undefeated. The only one in the Big Ten is Michigan State, which plays at Kinnick Stadium next Saturday after a trip to Northwestern this weekend. This is the Spartans' first 7-0 start since 1966. Two Big Ten coaches continue to near the century mark in career wins. Indiana's Bill Lynch is one victory away, while Iowa's Kirk Ferentz needs two more W's. After last Saturday's game, Wisconsin's David Gilbreth helped solidify his position as the all-time conference leader in total kickoff returns when he returned the opening kickoff for a TD against Ohio State. And Iowa's Tyler Sash boosted his career interception return yardage to 386, which moves him into fourth place in Big Ten history. There are two more conference trophy games this weekend, Iowa-Wisconsin, of course, and Penn State battles the Golden Gophers in Minneapolis for the Governor's Victory Bill. That game also marks the first for Minnesota's interim head coach, Jeff Horton, who replaces the fired Tim Brewster. Brewster became 
became the first Big Ten coach to be fired in midseason since 2006. His Minnesota teams went 15-30 and 30 during his three and a half years there, and they only had six Big Ten victories. One other interesting note this week, potential scheduling anomalies continue to pop up following the Big Ten's expansion and creation of two divisions. After this season, it is now a distinct possibility that Iowa will not play Ohio State again for four years or Illinois for six years. That is because the conference is trying to ensure that the Hawks series with the Badgers resumes after a two-year break. Unless Big Ten administrators convince its members to go to a nine-game conference schedule, something which is far from certain, this will be one of the consequences. And that's all I have to say about that. Quick-looking pass. Got it. Not only the first down, Darrell Johnson Kudianis. That is a record-setting catch for him. His third touchdown of the afternoon. That was just bad technique by the corner there. Uh, he, he, you can't get beat to the inside. When you have when you have a safety to the inside, you want to force the receiver towards him. When you don't have the safety, you have to force that receiver to the sideline. Time now for our Reporters Roundtable with Pat Hardy and Rob Howe. You can read Pat's articles and columns in the Iowa City Press Citizen and on Hawk Central. You can check out Rob's features at HawkeyeInsider.com. Sean Patchett talks with Pat and Rob about last week's game and this Saturday's contest. Well, any win in the big house is a good win. Did the Iowa-Michigan game pretty much play out like you expected, or were there any surprises? I thought it was a little high scoring, more high scoring in the sense that Iowa won. I, I thought if Iowa won, it, the score would be lower. Um, but um, other than that, I don't think there were a lot of surprises. Michigan moved the ball. They proved they have a good offense, and they also proved that their defense is horrible. Well, I had picked Michigan to win 30 to 28. So score-wise, I score-wise, I wasn't as surprised. I guess I was surprised that Michigan had 522 yards offense and still lost the game. But they had, I believe, they had four turnovers. Right? They kind of self-destructed. Iowa took advantage of that on the road, and Iowa was able to have some balance. I know they ran Robinson ragged like we figured they would, but they also threw three touchdown passes. So they were able to be balanced and um, a little high scoring, like I like Rob said. I thought maybe Michigan might win a high scoring game, but I guess Iowa showed something. Another very solid performance by the offense. Was this one of their best performances of the year? I think it's hard to say because, like Rob said, Michigan's defense is horrible. Their pass defense is ranked last in major college football. Their run defense just seems a little discombobulated right now. I think Iowa did enough to win the game, but Michigan, I believe, had over almost 200 yards more offense. Iowa still didn't have 400 yards offense. And they still, even though I didn't watch the game, I've heard it from a number of people. and see They had a, a, a bunch of, not a bunch, but several three and outs that seemed just kind of perplexing to the people I've talked to. Like I believe they, they started the game with a three and out. They had a couple other three and outs. And I don't think Michigan defense has had many three and outs this year. They did enough to win, but I don't think it was anything that was spectacular. I'd agree. Still a work in progress. You know, I don't think the offensive line was really challenged by Michigan's defense. They run that 3-5, whatever it is, 2-3-5-3 or whatever they run. But I just, as Pat said, they did what they needed to do. They were able to run the football. I think early on it's kind of what Iowa does, and that's run the ball into eight- and nine-man fronts and then realize, hey, we may need to pass it to open this up a little bit. They did that, and it was pretty easy after that. Uh, there's some interesting reaction to Stanzi being named as Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week as opposed to Adam Robinson and DJK. Any thoughts? Someone's got to be it. I mean, there's there's three guys. 
I, I mean, I, I would think, I mean, Darrell had three touchdown catches, but he didn't. His stats, what do you have, 70 yards receiving? Uh, that sounds about he right. He didn't have lights-out stats. Personally, I would have given it to Robinson just because he carried the ball so much in an important game. Plus, he made the... The, basically, the, the victory-securing play on that screen pass, Stanty did his job to throw the screen pass to him, but Robinson's the one that had to elude the defender to get the first down to melt down the clock. I, I mean, you could have gone both ways. Hopefully, A-Rob will get his shot. I guess what surprised me the most is how Coach Ferentz seemed to be so unaware of the process. That's what I was going to say. I mean, he was made aware that the coaches nominate one player, yet he didn't nominate that player, and he's the coach. Yeah, so. he had no clue that was the process. So that's a little bit odd. It's I never knew I never knew that the coaches, you know, nominated I one I think they nominate one player for offense one for defense and one for special teams each week and it's actually in the Iowa notes and I didn't notice that till yesterday either so I didn't either and Stanzi he does a lot of the intangible leader things that a quarterback does and he did have good stats but boy with A-Rod what 30 some carries for 140 some yards and I could see sometimes that you know the senior it's yeah. Robinson's a sophomore, sophomore. he's going to get more shots he's but gonna, yeah. I think he, and you could have picked any one of those three and I don't think there would have been too much of a fuss mm-hmm. speaking of Robinson. How much longer do you think Iowa can continue to have Robinson being the only running back with any carries? And uh, if he remains healthy, do you think that grind of the season is going to come back to haunt Iowa later on? Not if he remains healthy. If he remains healthy, I mean, they'll just do it as long as they can. I still think you might see Coker get a couple carries this weekend. I think at Michigan being away maybe prevented them, but I also wouldn't be surprised if we didn't see Coker. We may see a little bit more Brad Rogers from the fullback position. I mean, they've implemented him in there, but Paranoid is not the right word, but they're very conservative when it comes to breaking in new players, especially running backs. Kirk, the fumbling is something that, I mean, he that's any coach's pet peeve, but it would not surprise me if Robinson, assuming his body holds up, averages close to 30 carries the rest of the season. Yeah, I think eventually, though, they will work the other two in to a degree, like Pat said. I, even when Sean Green was running as well as he was, Joel Hampton caught some action, but in some of those games, it was a blowout. I don't know how many of these games going forward, at least the next two weeks, you wouldn't expect it to be, you know, lopsided one way or the other. So they're going to stick with what they know. And it's still, I mean, like Ferentz said last week, they're not asking him to climb Mount Everest. He's a running back. He likes to run the ball. He's capable of doing that. You know, if you get if you were to get those other guys, maybe four to seven carries, I'm not sure that is a big difference between Robinson being less sore no. on Sunday uh, than he would be if he had 30 carries. Yeah, I think it wouldn't really hurt affect Robinson. I think it may help Coker to get a couple of carries in a meaningful game since he hasn't really. You got to start somewhere, and I, I mean, I don't know. I thought Michigan might be a good place to start with their defense, but maybe Kirk had something about being at the big house, and I mean, it's hard to argue with their results, but it all depends. I mean, Robinson just has to stay healthy. And we, we don't know what they're seeing in practice, in practice either. If these guys are having difficulty with blitz pickup and protection packages. So Pat said Kirk's been conservative in this area in the past, and he's not going to put anybody out there until he's 100% sure they can handle it, unless his hand is forced, of course, yes. and Robinson gets hurt. Uh, thoughts on the defensive performance? Not great, obviously. I think you got to give Michigan's offense credit. You got to give some credence to the change in quarterbacks and the change in style from what they prepared for. But if this is one of the top defenses in the country, they should be able to adjust to a change from a running quarterback to a passing quarterback. The one thing that's concerned me, and I know Kirk's brought it up throughout this season, is tackling. They had some issues with that early against Michigan, and they've had issues with that at some point during every game this year. And again, 
against these two next two opponents who run the ball a lot, if you can't tackle, that's going to show up. And that's that's the one concern I would have going forward with this defense. That and can Micah Hyde mature enough to stop getting picked on? I would say giving up 522 yards against anybody would not meet the standard that this Iowa defense supposedly has set. I mean, if you talk to the fans, if you talk to most people, it's a lot of people will insist it's the number one defense in the country. Iowa fans are very defensive about anything. If you say anything about the defense, they feel you're being unfair and you're. But they gave up 522 yards against. I mean, a good Michigan team, but um, I thought Michigan State's defense looked a little better. I thought they were more physical. I thought they tackled better in space. So. The Iowa defense, even last year, they had a couple games like this. I mean, Indiana got a ton of yards off them. So I know people would hate to hear this, but I think in some ways the defense is still a work in progress, especially the secondary. I think the secondary, like Rob said, Micah Hyde is still adjusting, and teams know that. Teams are going to continue to pick on him because he's the new guy back there. Uh, do you think the lack of adjustment maybe reflects uh, Norm Parker's absence? No. No. I just think they're so organized and so set on defense. Norm could be on the moon and it wouldn't matter. I just don't think it – I think too much is read into that. I think Norm's stamp is on that defense every time he takes the field. I mean, he can talk on the phone. And I, I think he's more involved maybe than people think, but it's so set anyway what they do. We're always told all these times how simple the Iowa defense is. It's not going to change just because Norm's not there. And there was so much emphasis put on Robinson. I think it was just more – of oh, we're going from having this, you know, to shadow a guy and give Forcier credit. He played well. I mean, he, if anything, I don't think Iowa got the pass rush necessary on Forcier consistently. He had time to throw and he made his, he, you know, he made plays. He made his passes. A lot of attention has been placed on the defensive line this year. Talk a little bit about how well Jeremiah Hunter is playing, though. He's the unsung hero. I think he has been. Since he got here, and I've always talked to Rob about this, it's kind of a unique situation. Here he is, this stud, USA Today, All-American, Pennsylvania this, everything. The kind of thing that Iowa fans just salivate over. He gets here, and it's almost like they take him for granted. They overlook him. I mean, he had nine tackles in the first half Saturday, didn't he? And yep. He was making tackles in space from what I've been told. And he is. He's just the unsung hero. He doesn't really seem to be real media savvy. I don't think he seems to mind not being in the spotlight. But before he's done here, he's going to be a three-time, three-year starter. Probably he'll make one of the All-Big Ten teams this year. And I still think he's got a chance to play in the NFL. His size, special teams, he'll do something in the NFL. I'm just more surprised by somehow some Iowa fans just kind of take him for granted. I think he'll, I think he'll play in the NFL. He, he has the size, he has the speed, and he's played, you know, Big Ten football, like Pat said, for three years. I think part that plays into it, like Pat said, is his personality. He's just not, it's not like Pat Anger who talks about not playing with thumbs because his friend's dog doesn't need thumbs or whatever, you know, things like that where he's colorful. Jeremiah could care less about talking to us before the games or after the games, and that's probably why it's reflected in him just not getting the attention probably that he deserves. He's not rude or anything. No. He's just, he's nice just, he's just not interested in basking in the spotlight, which I'm kind of impressed. Sometimes that's kind of refreshing. Uh, looks like Michael Meyer is beginning to solidify his hold on place-kicking duties. A big field goal late in the fourth quarter. How comfortable are you getting with this aspect of the special teams? I just want to see if there's some Halloween headlines coming up for, with him. Yeah. Because of Michael Meyer. <laughs> or <laughs> that 
Kirk referred to him as Mike Myers yesterday. You notice that? <laughs> Kirk refers to him. So is his his name really is Michael Meyer, right? Yes. And I heard no he's, S. He's referred to more as Mike Myers. Yeah. I think it's Halloween and the guy from Saturday Night Live. I'm still to me the jury's still out on him. He had made a big field goal at Michigan, but what is he three for four this year? Three for four, and his longest field goal was that 30 yarder. So yeah, I wouldn't know what to expect with him if he needs to go out on the field and make a 46 yarder to win Saturday's game. He's got a 50-50 chance. I think it was encouraging to see what he did at Michigan. That's a that's an intimidating atmosphere for a true freshman to go in there and and run out and make that kick in a key situation. So I think like Kirk said yesterday, hopefully that's a building block. And let's face it, he's not beating out Jan Stenerud and uh, Adam Vinatieri to get this job. The two guys that are behind him right now, scholarship players, just haven't performed up to expectations. So it's his job to, to win or lose. It's almost like he won it by default with Murray getting hurt and Mossbrucker just obviously being inconsistent in practice. So we'll see. And I mean, if you remember earlier in the year, Kirk was like, Mike Meyer will be my our kickoff guy. Right the but then when we asked if he was in the running for the field goal position, Kirk really downplayed that and said, you know, probably not. I think so, he thought his two guys. Yeah. And this was even before Murray got hurt. Before Murray yep. got hurt, the battle was on. I don't want to put thoughts or words in Daniel's mouth, but I got a sense a couple times before he got hurt that he seemed to resent the fact that he was in competition. I think he thought his background had earned him that spot. And But I don't know. Like, and, and Kirk has admitted they'll watch what these guys do in practice, but a lot of it he goes on his gut. Yeah. And right now, Kirk doesn't have faith in either one of those guys. And Daniel Murray made some big field goals, but he was 19 for 26 last year. When you think about it, 19 for 26 is not great. It's not bad. And if I remember, he missed a big field goal in that Northwestern game. Yes. And he had some kicks that went out of bounds. And Kirk's one of these guys where if you do something in the heat of battle that costs them, I'm not saying he holds it against you, but he just, I think he loses a little bit of faith in you. And when we asked him yesterday about why he made the switch from Mossbrucker to Meyer after the Arizona game, let's face it, Mossbrucker didn't miss any field goals. He didn't try any. He just had that extra point blocked. They make the switch, and Kirk basically said he just felt like it was something they should try. So A lack of faith in Mossbrucker. Brewster finally fired at Minnesota. Zook seems a little safer, and there's a lot of angst directed at Rodriguez. At this point, does it look like any other Big Ten coaches are in imminent danger? I think it's to be determined. I, re- I mean, there's you know five or six Big Ten games left. Michigan can conceivably, I mean, they've played already. They've played Iowa. They've played Michigan State. They've played some. They've already played. And who else? They beat Indiana, right? They're one and two. So they've got obviously Ohio State left, but I, I still think they could end up at 500 in the league. And I think the Zuckers probably already saved this yeah, job. I would agree. I know an Illinois beat writer, Bob Osmondson, who's all of our friends. He's the wears champagne. A tie. Wears a tie all the time. <laughs> champagne News Gazette guy. And he's pretty tuned in. He told me before the season, if Zook went 4-8, and eight, he would be back. If he went 2-10 and 10 or 1-11, and 11, then it would be reviewable. He's got years left on his contract. His assistants have years left on theirs. They just hired new coordinators. And right now, I mean, that 26-6 loss to Michigan State, that score, game was closer than the score indicated. That They were behind six. They were leading 6-3 to three at halftime, Illinois. Their defense is playing well. I think you can see progress with Illinois. Plus, they have a redshirt freshman quarterback who I think has a chance to be a star. And they're going to – I think they would use that. Zook is safe. Rodriguez, if like Rob said, if they go 4-4 four and four in the Big Ten, 8-4 overall, get into a decent bowl game, I bet he gets another year. Bill Lynch is the one that I'm, I don't know enough about the Indiana situation, but they lost a bunch of close games last year. If they go 
one and seven and two, two and six in the Big Ten. Yeah. You know that I, I I just don't know. I don't know if they're if their athletic director's in a position to land somebody better than Bill Lynch, or if he feels like Bill Lynch is taking the program in the right direction. But he that's an area I w- I might keep an eye on that situation more than Rodriguez and Zook at this point. And I think with Lynch, a lot of it depends on who maybe Indiana can get out there and say, yeah, I'd be interested in coming there. I mean, if they if they find out that there's somebody who they are really impressed with, then maybe they will up the ante a little bit on Lynch. <laughs> and they can look at Minnesota and they ran Glenn Mason out of there and look what happened. Yeah. They end up with Tim Brewster and it took the program back. So that's that's really the key is who you can get to replace whoever you have. I got to wonder if, I mean, Dan McCartney's being mentioned for Minnesota. I bet you I could see his name mentioned for Indiana if that job opened up. So we'll just have to see. Yeah, there's some, I think like most we talked about this like most coach searches the candidates that the fan base believes that they have a shot at getting are way above the actual level of coach they may be able to get yeah, like Iowa basketball with Bruce Pearl because Minnesota you've heard Tony Dungy's Tony name Dungy. out there Mike Stoops I don't know why Mike Stoops would leave Arizona Chris Peterson <laughs> yeah. Gary Patterson Bill Belichick I mean, you know, <laughs> so I was joking on the last one well, looking at the first BCS rankings, are there any surprises for you? I didn't even really look at them that closely. The only surprise was everyone kept saying it was going to be Boise State number one all day, and then it turned out to be Oklahoma, which is kind of weird. They're number one because I watched Oklahoma play in their first couple of games this year, and they did not look like a top-ranked team, but they're undefeated, and I didn't pay much attention because I really can't stand the BCS. And it's still early, and I think people look at the BCS standings like they look at the AP and coaches' yes. polls, and it's just completely different because it's a formula. Yep. You've got computers that you really don't even know what factors into those computer rankings and they are half of what the poll is all about or standings are all about the Harris poll George Wines on the Harris poll I don't think the Harris poll likes Iowa or does the Harris poll like no the Harris poll is okay with Iowa one of the computers one of the computers does does not not like Iowa they have them like 19th or 20th in the country and that obviously affected where they ended up in the BCS standings well, taking a look at the Hawks and the Badgers this Saturday at Kinnick, what makes this the closest series rivalry in the Big Ten? They play similar styles. They have similar talent. I think that's about the simplest answer you can give. And sometimes when one's down, the other's up. Like Kirk said, when he got here, Wisconsin was the dominant team, so they won a few there. But then there's a cycle. Then it kind of changes where it goes on Iowa's, where Iowa takes over for a couple of years. But it always seems like neither one are really down for a long period of time, but neither one also is able to sustain their 10 or 11. I mean, they're they're so they're similar in how f- fragile they are. They're not like, although you can't use Michigan as an example example now, but like Ohio State, Wisconsin and Iowa, it's going to be harder for them every year to win 10 and 11 games just because of who they are, but I think Wisconsin does have a little edge, bigger stadium, bigger athletic budget, Milwaukee, bigger recruiting, bigger recruiting area just in home state, most of their linemen are from Wisconsin, but for the most part, I think it's the programs are so similar that they kind of go through different similar cycles. And the last decade, or at least since Kirk, 2001, since Kirk got Iowa back on its feet, it's been, it's been pretty close. Yeah. Talent's been pretty close. You have one year here or there where, you know, a quarterback gets hurt or something happens. But mm-hmm. other than that, it's been pretty even. Do you agree that there's a lot more writing on this game than just the Big Ten standings, uh, a longer-term recruiting for one? No, I, I mean, you may swing a recruit here or there uh, based on this outcome this year. But Iowa's won, what, the last two years? Wisconsin won the two years before that like you said it's so even and so back and forth that I don't I don't think it, it swings recruiting one way or the other 
not in my mind. Anyway. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I just I don't think they read into it that much. I think these kids get their minds set on different things, and in some ways, I could see a kid watching the game, watching the team that they want to go to lose, and say to himself, "Well, when I get here, I'll help them get over the hump in that game." So yeah, I don't think there's that big of a deal. I think a good example of that, and I know it's not the same uh, setup, but that Anthony Zatel kid from Michigan. He's an offensive lineman in this class who likes Iowa, Michigan, Michigan State. He was at the Iowa-Michigan game last week, and a guy, Alan True for Scout.com, uh, one of our regional analysts, wrote a story on the kid the other day, and he barely mentioned Iowa. And Iowa won at Michigan, and he still talked about how well the Michigan, the true freshman left tackle, I can't, or not the freshman left tackle against Claiborne. He talked about how well that yeah. Okay. He talked about how well that kid did against Claiborne instead of hey Iowa won the game and you know Michigan's defense is terrible. And actually, the last time I saw him listed, it listed his schools and it said Michigan High. Then you had to click on something <laughs> to get to. Then it had Iowa Medium. So yeah, as big as that victory was, they beat Michigan now two in a row. That kid's looking at other things. Uh, would a loss in this game hurt Wisconsin or Iowa more? Wisconsin. I mean, that'd be their second conference loss. Iowa could still go 7-1, and one, beat Ohio State. And Michigan State. And Michigan State and have a chance to win the Big Ten title, whereas Wisconsin... They've already they lost game, to Michigan State. And if they lose this game, two losses, then you don't control your own destiny. Uh, are these really pretty much mere image teams this year, both offense and defense? But I would still give Wisconsin's running backs an edge. Just We've talked about how great A-Rob's been, but when you have Clay and White, that type of combination, I think they com have combined over 1,300 yards this year. Uh, they're the only running back duo to average each average 80 yards or more per game this year. It's just that's what they do. I think Iowa is better in the passing game. I think they're more balanced on offense. Defenses are interesting. Wisconsin's had some injuries, and I, I still come into the season, I had questions about their defense. And I, I know this is probably blasphemy, but I don't think Iowa's defenses throughout this season consistently played up to their potential. I still think that, that, that the, there's more room for them to go to get to their ceiling. I think of all the matchups in this game, I know lots of times it's, it's kind of vogue to take the lesser recognized matchup, but I still think this game's going to be, if the Iowa defensive line wins the battle against the Wisconsin defensive offensive line, I can't see Iowa losing the game and vice versa. If Wisconsin's offensive line beats the Iowa defensive line, I can't see Wisconsin losing. If you look at last year, granted Clay got hurt, but Wisconsin could do nothing in the second half. The Iowa defensive line just took over. Whoever wins Clay got matchup, hurt though, right? But yeah. he was running well. He before. was running he was running okay and then the other but I still say if Iowa if the Iowa defensive line wins their matchup, they'll win the game and vice versa. If Wisconsin's offensive line outplays Iowa's defensive line, I think Wisconsin wins. Most important players and most important storylines looking ahead to this game. I just said mine. Just. We talked about earlier how these teams match up, why they play evenly. It's because of line play. They both That's both an area of uh, focus for them. That said, I mean, if Gilreath returns a kickoff for a touchdown, I mean, you know, if DJK does that for Iowa, when teams are this close, it's sometimes it's a little, we talked about Mike Meyer, uh, the punters in this. I mean, th it's going to be little things like that too that could play in. But if you just look at it from X and O, offense, defense, it's definitely line play and mistakes. You know, I think Tolzien and, and Stanzi have both been susceptible to throwing interceptions and making mistakes, so something also that can factor into it. Line play, turnovers, and special teams, I think, will determine those three Boy, things. Boy, we really broke that down. Yeah. <laughs>
I think whoever wins the turnover battle and plays better on special teams, because I think the other things are going to kind of cancel themselves out a little bit. I think Tolzien and Stanzi are pretty similar, although Stanzi's been more consistent this year. And now if I can't see Iowa winning this game if Clay and White get close to 200 yards rushing. I just, that will just be in their chewing time off the clock and getting first down after first down. So I think to me the over-under for rushing yards for Wisconsin has to be about 150. If they get more than that, it's going to be trouble. First teams to 20 wins. I could see that too because wasn't it 20 to 17 last year? I think so, yeah. Then the year before that it was like 17 to 10. I mean, been very low scoring and Wisconsin seems to lose momentum in the second half. And these teams will play conservatively. They're not going to take chances because they know the other team won't take chances. So it's going to be, all right, instead of maybe throwing something dangerous on a third and eight, we'll just punt and play the field field position game. That's that's classic Iowa-Wisconsin. Could be a boring game. Likely it'll be a boring game. Probably could be, yeah. Low scoring and a lot of just three and four yard runs. Until the end when it's close. Yeah. Prediction? I got Iowa winning 20 to 17. I'm going with the same scores last year. I'll say 24-16, Iowa. Full cast for tomorrow. A few sprinkles of genius for the chance of doom. Clock runs about to go under two minutes to play. 38-28, Iowa. Forcier looking and drills the ball. Intercepted, and that is Troy Johnson, the middle linebacker. Four turnovers, Wolverines. Christian Ballard, number 46, was coming pell-mell after the quarterback and helped force the issue. Darrell Johnson Koulianos is having an outstanding senior season for the Iowa Hawkeyes. He's setting all-time records, and he's making clutch plays in nearly every game. He will likely be one of the few Iowa wideouts drafted by the NFL in recent years. Yet, DJK has not been allowed to speak with the media since August, and that will apparently continue until January, unless Ferentz, or perhaps Darrell himself, has a change of mind. One of the reasons for this, I believe, is the fact that DJK is one of the few players who actually gives real, honest answers to reporters' questions. Major football programs and their sports information departments do everything they can to coach players on how to answer or not answer questions. What to say, how to say it. As a result, typically you only get vanilla generic comments, almost coach speak from the players. That's the way the coaches like it. Johnson Koulianos is different. We thought you might like to hear some of his thoughtful and forthright answers to questions posed to him at Iowa's Media Day last August. They seem particularly relevant at this point in the season and given his performance to date. First, DJK was asked what Kirk Ferentz has taught him since he entered the Iowa program. He's taught me that, uh, it's, you know, when I came in, um, I was more of an individual uh, when I got here initially. It was, uh, you know, I thought I was going to come in, you know, I wanted to, you know, be myself, be an individual, it's about me. And, uh, you know, he taught me that you ain't going to get anywhere in life by yourself. Um, you know, and, and, and Iowa, there's an Iowa way that I, you know, it took me a while to, to understand and, and, and want to be a part of. And so once I figured that out, I think I, ha- I started having success. I started gaining respect from him, uh, my coaches, and my teammates. And initially, that wasn't the case, you know. Uh, and I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. And, and once I did get it, uh, I started having more success on and off the field. Johnson Koulianos was asked if he ever felt like he was trying to do too much on the field and about his efforts to become a team leader. No, I've never never felt that I've tried to do too much. I was disappointed uh, that I wasn't looked at as a leader, you know, initially. Um, I I didn't understand why, but 
you know, through some of the, some of the uh, some of the things Coach taught me, and you know, Ricky would voice to me about, you know, hey, you know, you have to adapt to what we're trying to do, what what Iowa's trying to do, the way, uh, you know, not everywhere is like Iowa. Uh, but if you want to be successful at Iowa, you have to adapt to the way, uh, you know, the Iowa program works. And so w- once I figured that out, it took a while, and I started having success. DJK does a self-analysis describing what kind of wide receiver he is. Game changer, dynamic, uh, deep threat, short game, anything you need. You know, we were in East Lansing with two seconds left, and uh, I wanted the ball. <laughs> I mean, that was a moment. You talk about a moment, having an opportunity. I don't think there's ever been a time where I wanted the ball more. I mean, I was actually pissed off, you know, but Marvin got it done. I was happy for him. I was glad we won the game. But I, I, that moment was like, this is, you know, this, this, you can be remembered forever, you know, just like if I were to return that kick, kickoff uh, versus Iowa State, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. moments like those where, you know, a guy who's hungry, who, who, who loves the game, who, who, who uh, strives for, you know, opportunity, uh, you eat that up. And uh, like I said, it went to Marvin. The play call went to him. The coaches knew what they were doing, clearly. Uh, the result worked out, but you know, had I had wide open, I mean, it would have been way spectacular. It would have been unbelievable. No, but this, moments like those, those kind of opportunities, those, you know, the, the crucial situations is is, uh, is 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 what I yearn for. You know, that that, that motivates, that, that gets me the most. I don't know why. Um, and the pressure situations has, 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 has always drives me. And and, and sometimes, you know, I'll fail. You know, but I want that pressure. I want that target to share on my back. I want those expectations. You know, that's why you play this game that's what you, you want to do something special you know nobody wants to be a six and six ball club and go to the Alamo Bowl I know I don't you know you can you can you can if if you can't handle it that pressure or, you know you don't like that target you can always give it to me and I'll, I'll willingly accept it and Durrell talks about the importance of achieving receiving records as an Iowa Hawkeye they matter I want them <laughs> I need them really here's my thing I you know I've never been really a full-time starter so I figure if I can maintain obtain a starting position and maintain it I think those will take care of themselves yeah. you know so the focus right now is to be the best receiver on the team you know have my teammates count me have Ricky count on me and uh, you know continue to make plays make plays and all that those fine achievements will take care of themselves. Hawkeyesmike.com, just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks, all the time. www.hawkeyesmike.com. Call toll-free 866-74-HAWKS. That's 866-74-HAWKS. Just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Just call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Also, visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the News and Events section, check out the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, the latest Hawkeye and Big Ten videos, and team schedules. And check us out on Twitter and Facebook. Don't forget, you can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs on Hawk Central, Hawkeye Insider, and in the Daily Iowan. Hey, barkeep, whose leg do you have to hump to get a dry martini around here?
Hawkeye's Mike Football Shows are brought to you in part by Prefens Botanicals Hand Sanitizer, the revolutionary antimicrobial hand sanitizer that is alcohol-free and lasts all day with a single application. Try the hand sanitizer the Iowa Hawkeyes use. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group, Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network in Coralville, Iowa. Call 319-512-6261 or toll-free 800-883-0842. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Iowa hosts Border State rival Wisconsin this Saturday in a family weekend game at Kinnick Stadium that features two highly ranked teams. This is the closest and most competitive series in the Big Ten Conference, with Iowa currently leading 42-41-1, and it has become one of the more intense rivalries in the Big Ten. Unfortunately, with the division split, these two teams won't face each other for at least the next two years. This is also a trophy game, the Heartland Trophy, which Iowa currently has in its possession and is one of the three trophy games for the Hawks. Iowa has now won 10 straight trophy games, counting its bowl wins. The Hawks have won the last two meetings and six of the last eight with the Badgers. Wisconsin's last win in Iowa City came in 2006. The Hawks lead all time in games played at Kinnick, 24-15-1. Kirk Ferentz is 86-56 at Iowa and in his 12th season as head coach. Brett Bielma, a four-time letter winner at Iowa, is in his fifth year at Wisconsin with a record of 44-15. This game is critical because the team that wins will remain very much in the hunt for the Big Ten title and will likely move up in the BCS rankings. Iowa is currently ranked 15th, while the Badgers are ranked 13th. Each team has only one loss. Wisconsin's came at Michigan State, while the Hawks lost at Arizona. Iowa also continues to control its own destiny. If the Hawks win out, they will be Big Ten champions. But let's not get ahead of ourselves, as Ferentz constantly reminds both his team and the fans. Former Iowa star and current New York Jets running back Sean Green will serve as honorary captain this weekend for the Hawks. Too bad he can't suit up and help. It will be another game featuring a highly ranked defense facing a highly productive offense. The Hawks nationally are 7th in rushing defense. Wisconsin is 12th in rushing offense. Iowa is 6th in scoring defense. The Badgers are 16th in scoring offense. Wisconsin's defense is pretty good too. They are 23rd in total defense. The Hawks are 13th. Iowa's quarterback Ricky Stanzi is 3rd in the nation and pass efficiency, while Wisconsin's Scott Tolzien ranks 15th. Wisconsin running back John Clay, who weighs in at 260 pounds, is 13th nationally in rushing and second in the Big Ten Conference, averaging 114 yards per game. Iowa's Adam Robinson is 20th in the nation and 4th in the Big Ten, and he also ranks 31st in all-purpose yards. The Badgers also have true freshman James White, who averages 80 yards a game and has nine rushing touchdowns, trailing only Clay, who has 11 in the conference. White also leads his team in all-purpose yards. Wisconsin is one of only two FBS teams that currently feature two running backs, the other Michigan State. Clay and White run behind a humongous and skilled offensive line, averaging 320 pounds with no one shorter than 6'4". This has helped Wisconsin to the number two ranking in Big Ten total offense. Given all of those stats, several things will have to give in this weekend's contest. What makes things even more interesting is that, for the most part, these two teams 
end programs pretty much mirror each other. They essentially run the same offensive and defensive schemes and are among the few remaining college teams that have stuck to pro-style offenses and make extensive use of fullbacks and tight ends. They have similar cultures. They often go after the same recruits. So this is a true rivalry in every sense of the word. Key matchups and questions include Iowa's defensive line versus Wisconsin's offensive line. It will be especially interesting to watch the play of each team's defensive ends, including Adrian Claiborne for the Hawks and J.J. Watt for the Badgers. Which quarterback will turn in the better performance? Stanzi or Tolzien? Which receivers or tight ends are going to step up and perhaps be difference makers? How will the Hawks cope with Clay and White? How long can Adam Robinson hold up as Iowa's primary ball carrier? And can the Hawks continue their improvement on special teams, especially kickoff coverage? Special teams may very well be pivotal in this game. Wisconsin has struggled in big games on the road. Witness Michigan State. Will there be any lingering effect from the emotion of the huge win last week over Ohio State and Madison? The Hawkeyes have not had a 100-yard rusher against the Badgers in the last four games they played. If Iowa is to prevail, Stanzi and his receivers must excel. These games are almost always close and typically come down to late in the fourth quarter. With so much on the line this Saturday, this one shouldn't be any different. These teams aren't fancy. This should be classic Big Ten smash-mouth football in the truest sense of the tradition. This is really a big game. As of now, the road to the Rose Bowl runs through Iowa City. Will that still be the case after Saturday? How about one more question? Will Kinnick Stadium and the Iowa fans perhaps make the ultimate difference? Size matters not. Look at me. Judge me by my size, do you? This is a good year to be an Iowa Hawkeye season ticket holder. And it's also a good year, if you have a good team, to get yourself into the race for the Big Ten. Wisconsin, Michigan State, Ohio State, all at home. Iowa's going to have a lot to say about who's going to the Rose Bowl before this thing is over. Or the national championship game. Yeah, that's right. And it goes in the record book as a victory for the Hawkeyes. Hard fought and on the road. That's the most important thing. Our thanks again to ABC ESPN for the game highlights this week. Once again, another nice job of capturing the excitement of Iowa football. And thanks to our regular contributors, Marv Cook, Pat Hardy, Rob Howe, and Sean Patchett. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you'll participate. By phoning and making your own voice heard, call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes, all the time, on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.